So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening, and greetings from Grossen Aspa, Germany. We're having lots of fun here, and I'm on a roll. We're recording a couple episodes, so we're going to keep the fun going. And today I wanted to talk about ethnic culture, a double-edged recovery sword. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm just, uh, I'm spouting out these peculiar topics. But this was actually inspired by uh, an experience I had in Switzerland recently. And I wanted to, I want to contextualize this one like I always do. And, and before I do, really quick, I do want to thank those of you who have been leaving ratings and reviews, those of you who have just given me uh, some great feedback on the podcast. And I, I know a bunch of you have actually said, hey, why don't you talk more about this? Or uh, some of you get even gave me feedback on just like the sound quality and stuff. I really appreciate it. So for those of you that have left range of reviews, thank you. And if you haven't yet, you can do that on your platform. It really just signals to other people like you that they can get value out of this podcast and improve their lives. And it would mean the world to me if you'd be willing to take a minute to do that right now. Now, uh, let's contextualize what, what we're going to talk about here. We all have an ethnic background. So you might, you might say like, I'm just from, you know, I'm like a seventh generation American or whatever. You still have some kind of ethnic background. You have some sort of culture that you grew up in, that your ancestors have grown up in, that have ultimately flavored and contributed to the person that you become today. And for someone like me, it might be a little bit more obvious because my parents were immigrants and they immigrated. And so the the contrast in ethnicities between you know, where I live and where I've come from or where my family has come from is significant. So you kind of notice the, the ethnic element of really, I mean, life. It, it affects just about every part of my life. And sometimes it's not so obvious, but we all have it. And I wanted to talk a little bit about today because I had this experience in Switzerland that really rose this dynamic to the surface. So Switzerland, as you would imagine, is primarily white, although some of the major cities are a bit more multicultural. And the church that I was ministering at is a Tamil church. So uh, the Tamil culture is based out of the, the south of India. And then a bunch of them, um, well, there, there's more There's more history to it. But um, originally, the Tamils were in the south of India, and then they inhabited Sri Lanka. And so you have Tamils all around the world now, but a majority of them have either come from south of India, which is where my parents are from, or Sri Lanka. And many of the people that were at this church that I minister at, ministered at and spoke at in Switzerland were are from uh, Sri Lanka. And so they are, they're primarily first generation Swiss. So their parents were the ones who were brave enough to immigrate when there was a civil war going on uh, a few decades ago. And I, I had this moment during worship where I realized I've never been in a church with people who are primarily my ethnic culture. And the level of connectivity that I felt with this group was unlike anything I'd ever really experienced in a church. And I thought, how fascinating, because I've been going to church my whole life, and I've had very connecting church experiences. I've had very connected 
church communities that I've been fortunate to be a part of, some of them I've had a chance to lead, and I almost could not compute what was really going on. But we were worshiping, and you know, the it's a it's a Tamil guy leading worship, and he's got a background Tamil singer, and he's got a Tamil drummer, and you know, the guys running the soundboard are Tamil, and it's just like, whoa, there's such a, there's such a deep sense of belonging that I hadn't experienced in a very well, really in my entire life, because I had been in um, in groups of Tamil people before, but it was not with the intent to connect with God and to worship. And so I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get over what I was experiencing. It was so overwhelming that I was actually crying during worship, just as I was, you know, like I said, trying to kind of wrap my head around what exactly was going on. And it made me realize how beautiful culture is how beautiful beautiful our ethnicity is and then when i was starting to talk and i could feel the not resistance but the hardness to my message because in tamil culture you do not talk about things like pornography and sexual immorality these are very taboo subjects that people would prefer you just stay quiet about because it's so uncomfortable to discuss openly and I very quickly experienced two opposites, two ends of the spectrum. One being this, wow, I love my culture. I'm so grateful for where I've come from. This is so incredible. I feel such a deep sense of purpose and belonging just by coexisting with these people in this same space, in this moment in time. And then, you know, moments later feeling like, oh my gosh, my culture cannot talk about these things. They don't understand how to handle it wow, like there's work to be done. Very, very interesting. And that's what made me realize that culture is a double-edged sword. And we we carry this great opportunity and I would say a little bit of a responsibility to harness the strengths of our culture while also leaving behind the dysfunction and maybe some of the more toxic parts and every culture has it. it. Doesn't matter how proud you are and how loud you are about it. It doesn't matter how great your culture may be. There's going to be elements that you probably need to leave behind if you're going to become fully the person that God has made you to be. Whatever that even means, right? Like we, we're this is literally a, a lifelong thing, and I don't know that you ever fully become that person, so to speak. But you know exactly what I mean. It's it's about for us to step more and more into the person God's made us to be. We have to work through our cultural stuff. Let me give you some some ideas, some some thoughts about what it might look like. What are some of the, the things that you're leaving behind and what are some of the things that you are ultimately embracing? I'm going to start with some of the things you're leaving behind because this is probably a, an easier point to just start with. The, the most obvious one is shame. And every culture has things that are shameful. So again, even if you're if even if your family has been in its country for generations, I imagine there's still things that it's understood that in your culture, you do not talk about these things, that these are things that are shameful. You know, it's interesting in, in Japan, I remember one of my colleagues telling me this, that in Japan, if you tell people that Jesus died for your sin, it doesn't mean anything. But if you say Jesus died for your shame, suddenly there is this incredibly deep connection with the concept. Because shame is so prevalent in the society and, it, and much of the society revolves around the concept of shame and of pride, being proud of your accomplishments 
and then, you know, feeling shame for your shortcomings or the things that are um, imperfect. And if you're Japanese, I, I realize there's more depth and more complexity to the culture. I'm just using it as an example. In Indian culture, shame often revolves around dysfunction in the family. Um, anything that would make you look bad, anything that would cause somebody else to speak about you negatively, uh, you'd never want somebody to know if you were poor, you wouldn't want them to know how little you have because that would be considered very shameful. Um, you know, India was predicated on a caste system. And so some of those mentalities are still there. Um, the list goes on. I mean, it's funny, even being Canadian, there's certain shames like we often have this little brother syndrome with America because America is kind of this giant. It's literally 10 times our population, probably 10 times the wealth and 10 times the the notoriety, you know, positively and negatively, I suppose. But, but you know, there's there's certain shame that comes with with elements of us of playing small and not wanting to to be big or be considered too confident because, you know, then you're you're proud and whatever else. And anyway, every culture has shame. Um, guilt, broken identity, you know, the, the fragmented identity is becoming really prevalent in this conversation around conversation around culture because we are becoming more and more mixed in our races. You know, we don't keep to ourselves the way that we used to. People travel more, people immigrate more, people can set up their, their lives wherever they want these days. So you're getting a lot more mixing of cultures. And for someone like me where, you know, my background is Indian, but I live in Canada there was a lot of confusion because I would go to my friends' houses and they would eat food that we didn't eat. They would organize their house in ways that we wouldn't organize ours. And you're you're trying to somehow reconcile who am I, where do I belong? And this can be confusing and it can be very difficult to kind of tease apart. So these are some of the challenges that come with ethnicity and with culture. And there's positives as well. And you're going to see how all this ties into the recovery situation in just a moment. Uh, some of the pauses would be community, right? I, I think about even what I witnessed in this, this Tamil church in Switzerland. They were unbelievably communal. They look out for each other when there's a funeral or a passing away in the community. Everybody shows up. They all support and contribute and they make sure they look after those that are left behind. When there's a wedding, it's a communal experience. And so you have a high sense of camaraderie. Um, and then there's also just this sense of there's things that you get about each other that you don't even have to talk about. You just know that you know because it it's a deeper level, I guess, of understanding. And so there are certain jokes I could make with those guys that I couldn't make with with Canadian friends because we didn't grow up that way uh, in Canada. But, you know, I grew up in a tumble home, so I can make the joke because I, I get it. So it's just, it's very interesting. And I, I guess the other thing that comes with this that's positive is a sense of belonging. Like when you really do know your culture and you really identify with it, whatever the culture may be, like for me, I identify way more with being a Canadian, but a little bit with being an Indian for sure. Like I haven't ignored it or negated it, but much of our upbringing has just been Canadian and, you know, much of the influences. So that's kind of where I identify and that's where I find my sense of belonging. And that's incredibly comforting. I don't feel like I'm, you know, some sort of lost person, like some alien that doesn't have a home or a place that, that I feel comfortable and I feel like I belong. I do actually have that. And I feel very fortunate to be in that kind of place. Now, here's where all this ties into recovery. Um, on the, the challenging side, there's probably parts of your ethnic culture that have contributed to some of your sexual misbehavior. 
mostly because there's very few cultures that are willing to talk about sex in a healthy way. Um, cultures are either very quiet about it or they're very loud about it. But when they're loud about it, they're not necessarily talking about it in a way that's actually healthy. And of course, if you're not talking about it, you can't foster anything healthy or dysfunctional. And so often people find other ways to get their information, other ways to have the conversations, and it ends up being you know, very toxic and dysfunctional. So there's, there's negatives to guard against, and it's possible that in your healing journey, our second pillar of recovery is healing of the heart, and you may need to do some forgiveness for people that have contributed to cultural dynamics that have caused your sexual misbehavior, caused your addiction. That would be a very important part. Um, you may also need to repent. That's part of healing of the heart. You may need to repent for, um, for maybe just things that you believed that were passed down through you culturally about yourself, about God, about sex, about healthy relationships and whatever else it may be. Our third pillar of recovery is identity. And you can imagine how if your, if cultural shame is very intertwined with your sense of self, then it would be very hard to really appreciate God's unconditional love for you and the infinite value that you possess as a person. That would almost be a completely unreachable, unreachable concept because of the shame, because of the guilt, because of the broken sense of self. And so that's where in your recovery efforts, you really want to make sure that you're part of a system that is helping you build a stronger sense of self and a stronger sense of identity in a way that's actually appropriate and experiential, not just theory, but actually gain some real life experiences. Now on the positive side, you know, community, a sense of camaraderie, a sense of belonging. These are things that we can not only find in our culture, but they're also, if we've had these in our cultural experiences, they give us a foundation for experiencing these things in recovery. One of my favorite things to see in our guys is when they start to have Zoom calls with each other outside of our group coaching calls. When they, you know, they're messaging each other privately, they're working through stuff. Some guys have done 30-day challenges and that kind of thing with each other while they're going through a program. I love that. I think that is so cool. And that kind of camaraderie goes a really long way in your recovery efforts. Sense of belonging, another big one, because many people feel lost today. They feel like they don't have a place they can call home. They don't have their tribe or their people that they're meant to run with. And so we kind of feel like chickens with our head cuts off, our heads cut off, and that we don't really have a sense of belonging. And that, of course, can really play into, I mean, all of our recovery pillars, I suppose, all three of them, but especially identity. And so culture is this double-edged sword. There are difficulties that we need to work through, things that we need to forgive, things that we need to repent of, and whatever else it may be. But there's positive things that we can embrace, things that that give us a foundation, you know, for our recovery elements. But also, like, your, your cultural communities could be a place where you heal and recover if you're able to have more transparent discussions, more honest and open conversations, and if that is the case, then you should lean into it. And if it's not, then you look for systems like, like a deep clean or whatever it might be to give you a chance to experience that so you can properly recover. Like we know, like the research says, and like you hear me say all the time on our podcast, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it is connection. And your culture gives you a chance to experience deeper, more meaningful connection in many different ways so that you can make a full recovery. So that's everything for today, guys. I want to thank you again for listening. I wish you an incredible day full of confidence, full of integrity, and full of hope for the future. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Hey everybody, it's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.